I said it'll be like idiot hockey. Idiot hockey? <laughs> I hate hockey. Not like good takes. <laughs> what's what's your deal with hockey? I just do it so no one gets like pissed off. <laughs> what what got you into hockey? Is it because you're the Black, Caucasian? The Blackhawks being good. Okay. The, see, that's so fair. Like, okay. Very. It's a very honest take. Yeah. Because I feel like there's too many when hockey I, when fans. When I was a kid, my dad would take me to games, and that was back when it wasn't that expensive to go. It'd be like. No, just put it like have it closer to you, like yeah, yeah, how we have it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You know, like when uh, Kane and Taze were like just starting off, like right after they got drafted. Yeah. These guys are like new names. And so, and then they got really, really, really good. And then the ticket prices just like skyrocketed. Mm. Couldn't afford to go to a game. So, yeah, you Once know, never was a sport that my culture uh, really celebrated. Yeah. So I never got into it. So technically, field hockey is like a national sport in India. Okay. But not ice hockey. <laughs> Definitely not ice hockey yeah. over there. But. Do we know the differences between the two? Like uh, in terms of like how you play? Obviously, one's skating, one's like running around. Dude, but like I have no idea how to play field hockey. Okay, none, none whatsoever. Uh, fair. Ice hockey though is way more exciting because it's like you're moving at like 45 miles an hour, clamming into people. It's it, and you can fight. You can fight. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the like the part I like about hockey has nothing to do with the sport. <laughs> it's people fighting and the fans like chucking beer and stuff. It's like yeah, just like drop the gloves. You kind of square up. Yeah, an honorable fight. The ref yeah, just like lets the, you go the refs for a like, while. all right, all right, all right, guys, let's just let's just get it together here, and then they let you like fucking yeah. go nuts. Mm -hmm. The best are like goalie fights. Those, those <laughs> happen. They're rare, <laughs> but they do happen. They got all that equipment. <laughs> they like skate out to the middle of the rink and just like kick the shit out of each other. That's incredible. That's awesome. Wait, what, so like, why would a goal? Why would two goalies get into a fight? Sometimes there's just like brawls that just involve the whole team, and the goalie's like, "Well, we gotta get out and get involved." I feel like they're the last two guys to like. Get in there though. Like I feel like everybody else is already. Maybe I had to probably get a little adrenaline rush, get a little jealous that everyone else gets to bash some heads. And they want to go hit someone. So like, yeah. Go do I, it. Mean, I think you have to be a certain breed. Did you uh, play? No. Okay. <laughs> it's. I feel His like culture just celebrates it. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fine. I feel like there's a certain breed though. Even if your culture celebrates it's hockey, a, that's it's a hard that. sport to play as a kid because it's like it's expensive and it's a huge time commitment. Yeah, I've heard true. it's like a rich kid sport. You can't really mm -hmm. play a lot of other. Well, not even just rich kid, but it's just like you can't like play basketball football and baseball if you want to like play hockey you gotta like commit to it and that's like that's your sport. year round sort of yeah wow i didn't even know that. there aren't like a lot of ice rinks around here so like you're paying for the ice time it's like it's a yeah. investment in the equipment and like to get good at it you basically just have to keep practicing all the time doing that one thing yeah one of us sent uh a list of the highest cost of entry sports as a kid and hockey's like one or two it's like and then, hockey. then it's like polo. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need a horse. Exactly. I think we had an episode, me and you, where we literally talked about why like the NBA was so popular because it's so easy to like access. Yeah. You just need a basketball and a hoop. And that's it. Right. Like hypothetically. Yeah. But like hockey, you need pads. You need a hockey stick. You need skates. You need rink time. Um, you need a rink, which aren't easily accessible. No. So it, it is out here. It, it does make sense that it costs a lot more. Um, but yeah, I guess that's fair. Like yeah. why people don't play really as much. Well, and it's like, if it's just ice hockey too, it's, I feel like there has to be some sort of deep rooted tradition to want to put on all those pads and clam into each other. Going <laughs> there, there is, it's like, that's the uh, new England and like, you know, like they they would play on the frozen pond, like the way we just like go to a park and play basketball. Like they had ponds that would freeze over and they just put on their skates and play mm. all over Canada. It's like the same thing.
Yeah, that's fair. There's this kid I knew back in high school. His name was Topius. He was Finnish as a foreign exchange student. And he was like, yeah, we just go play hockey like outside. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> and in Finland, they have um, like every house has like a sauna. Like going in the sauna is mm. like a normal thing there. Mm. So he goes, yeah, so our thing would be to like go in the sauna for 30 minutes and then run outside in the like freezing cold and like basically jump in the snow. Like right after, and I go, you're psychotic. Like, mm. what? It doesn't make any sense. But give us the rundown. Give us what's going on in the NHL. What's the? <laughs> well, we got uh, three teams left. Okay. Uh, Florida Panthers are in the final. It's like their second time, I think, ever making the Stanley Cup final. The last time was like late '90s, like '96 or '98 or something. And then we got Vegas up three to one on Dallas, and I think Vegas is going to close it out. I think the series goes back to Vegas tonight. Why has Vegas been good since they started? I feel I thought like if you were an expansion team, you would suck for a while. Like the Houston Texans were, and are still mm-hmm. not a good team. Yeah, Vegas like made the final their first year, I think. Right. It's something about the expansion draft. Like they have like a there's like certain rules that like help them get good right away, so that they're at least competitive. Okay. Because you don't want to have a new team and then have them just like suck ass. Yeah, like the Houston you know? Texans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Houston Texans. Not in Vegas. You can't have that happen. You gotta, Especially they gotta, they gotta in Vegas. be kind of good. To play devil's advocate, don't the Seattle Kraken stink, or are they good? No, they they, they, they made the a run this year, too, right? Yeah. They, they won. Uh, they beat the defending champions in the first round. Dude, shows how much I know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing. The the Avalanche were like, well, last year they were like insane. No, the but the one big story that's come out of NHL that I do remember is, so the Boston Bruins are were supposed to be the greatest team ever. Is it's true they had the best regular season, yes. right? Yep. Of like. Any team, mm. so think what's the better Warriors? than seventy three and nine. What's okay, that, right. The equivalent of the Warriors or the ninety six Bulls. What's that? It, it's even worse that? than the Warriors so, lost though, because the Bulls went seventy two and ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that for hockey, like the best regular season performance. Well, in well, the Warriors went seventy three and nine, but lost to LeBron. Right. Yeah. So it's not even like they made it to the finals. They lost in the first round of the Ooh. playoffs. That's tough. Florida Panthers. Like, and for guys like us, right? We don't watch hockey. It yeah. takes a lot of inf- like information has to pass quite a few times for it to like actually end up in our hands right. about hockey. Yeah. I had heard about this infamous team when they were entering the playoffs. So they ended up going up three one, and then they lost the series. <laughs> so similar to the Warriors, Ooh. except it was the first round of the playoffs. This was like Boston's last dance. Like they had. A bunch, like Patrice Bergeron is like their most legendary player. They brought him back on like one more year. They got this guy David Krejci back from I think it's Slovakia. He was there like when they played against the Blackhawks, but then he left. They brought him back to America. They just had they just have this awesome core. They had, like, <laughs> one of the best goalies in the league too, and like they just couldn't get it done. They, that's, that's like Boston fans like were afraid I think of bowing out so early. Like this team is so good. If we if we don't win the championship, we're like a joke. What do you, so what do like, you think about nervous. fans from Boston? I mean, do you do you do you echo the sentiment of like they, hatred that some people have for Boston fans? I, I wouldn't say hatred. I think I respect the fandom, but I, they give me the same vibes like Philadelphia fans do. Yes, like they'll fight for their team, literally. Yeah, but Boston fans are like spoiled. Like Philadelphia, I get why they're mad because they've just been collectively as a city getting kicked in the groin <laughs> year after year after year. Well, they, they've had a couple. Boston, it's like. How many Super Bowls do they have? Seven? Oh, well, seven with Brady. Stanley oh, yeah. Cup, like four World Series, uh, an NBA championship. Like 
they've if you're a Boston fan our age, you've seen a, a crap load. Of you've seen pretty much stuff. everything. The yeah. Red Sox yeah. won in like 2004 mm-hmm. and 2000, like what? Celtics in 2007 and Celtics 2018. In 08. Yeah, in 2013, they've had four rings since 2004. What's funny is the Celtics, or no, not the Celtics, the Red Sox were like the curse franchise. They were. Yeah, for a while, yep. they were the curse franchise. Yep. They were, and then they won in 04. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then it became the Cubs were the cursed franchise. <laughs> yeah. But you know who the next longest would have been if the Sox didn't win in 05? The Sox. Wow. Yeah. They were the next That's longest tough. in terms of baseball. So once the Red Sox won in 04. We were the curse. We were the, the curse. Cubs, the, the Cubs were the curse. Okay. But the Sox curse was only a year or two behind. That's hilarious. Like the Cubs were 108 years or whatever. Yeah. But the Sox were, I think, were like at 100 or something. I like approaching. Know what the 100. Sox curse is called. Is just being bad. Wow. The Black Sox curse. Hey, maybe? man. Curse. No, yeah. The Black Sox curse. Maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we got in trouble for betting on our own games way oh, back five. in the day. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. The, that was crazy. That was If nuts. you read about that, like that's a good history lesson. They were so good. They were just like, we can just lose this World Series, make some money. And make so much money. the World yeah. Series next year. Wasn't yeah. it basically a mob guy who was, was, uh, yeah. who was uh, orchestrating the whole yeah, thing? Yeah. They ba- well, the thing is, a couple of them got caught up gambling on the side and that's how they found or they owed they owed like 10 grand which back then is like 10 grand is a lot a lot of money yeah Yeah. so i mean those guys used to get paid i'm pretty sure they were also like a significantly better team than the cincinnati reds and everyone was like this is not right there's no way they're down two games to one right now it'd be funny though if you were like actually betting on it you're like there's no like just it'd be the exact same (laughs) as if a game was rigged now like there's absolutely no way that they'd lose and they'd lose I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna say the Heat series is right because it's three two now. But when I saw that they were up three zero, I was like, eh, "What's going on? What's here? happening here?" It's yeah. not, I've never seen an eight seed go like as crazy that as that hard in the paint. It is nuts. I I'm actually surprised that they've made it. I didn't think they were gonna make it past the first round. They played the Bucks. Yeah. You see Giannis in the first round, you're most likely done. Yeah. And it's crazy. They've had a nuts run, and it's basically all because of one guy. So I think we should uh, give the guys props. Jimmy Butler, he's had an amazing playoffs. Go see red, Never see red. <laughs> he he does not see red. No, he doesn't. There's reason he left. Yeah, he hasn't seen red in like seven years. And then he came close when he went to Minnesota and was like, "I need to leave mm-hmm. tomorrow." Um, but I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, by the way, we're watching ESPN's on in the background, and they are literally playing a 2K game That's on crazy. live ES. This is live ESPN. And they're just playing a 2K pickup game. Here. This is what it's come to? This is what it's come to. Is this like the champion? This better be like I think something big. Like, I think this is like the... <laughs> NBA 2K League, baby. Uh, let us know in the comment section of our post if you watch people play NBA 2K. Aiden Ross or streamers uh, in general. I don't like watch Twitch. Yeah. You know, that, you guys. Dude, it's, it's actually crazy the amount of uh, the amount of headwind these guys have gotten. Like these guys like Kai Sinat... Aiden Ross, I show speed. I don't know if you've heard so of these guys. So do you guys. know why those? I hate Aiden Ross news. It shows up in my Snapchat every day. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like so I don't do you know watch. Why those guys got banned? Because I feel like all three of those guys got banned from Twitch, right? Mm-hmm. Like racist yeah. and shit. Yeah. Is that what it was? It was. It, it's it's uh yeah like um it was yeah. Uh, Aiden Ross said. He said something anti-Semitic, I think, but he's Jewish. So yikes! They got rid of him, and all those guys have moved to Rumble. No. Is Rumble 
is Rumble like what you remember when um what's this? Who was the big streamer that left to go to Microsoft's thing? Uh, Ninja. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. that flopped. Pretty much. He basically made eighty million dollars and didn't even he have dipped. to fulfill the yeah. contract. Yeah, but, I think uh, Rumble right now is catching some. Uh, it's catching some fire though because in a good way because they've gotten guys like Steve will do it Russell Brands on the show like they're getting some bigger names you have to, to pay move for over. Rumble? Um, I believe so I think it's a similar subscription model okay. to like YouTube premium okay that um, makes sense but I actually have watched like one of Steve will do it's videos on Rumble because he posted the link clicked on it and like for the most part it's, it's very similar to YouTube it's well, like the Steve, same thing Steve got screwed but yeah that that that's interesting because the twitch is like so big it's owned by amazon mm. and the fact when i kept reading like this guy kaisenet's band aiden ross's band the other guy you mentioned's band and i'm like what are they doing yeah like these are the most popular streamers like i know for a fact kaisenet gets like a few hundred thousand streams like every time he goes and mm -hmm. like you'll have guys on like little baby and stuff like Who's yeah. not who's not gonna watch that? Isn't isn't it interesting? I think um Gary V talked about it. Vlogging was like really big when we were in high school, right? That was like oh, the content that everyone posted. Yeah, your day in the life. Exactly. And, and then after that it kind of became like um quick ten minute like explain it videos. Yep. Or quick ten minute like um here's what I did in a day. How did I do this? This type of thing. Like, um, a lot of content creators like David Dobrik and Jake Paul, they were doing that for like a little bit of while, like instead of daily vlogging. Yeah. And then after daily vlogging, live streamings become like the, or after that little portion, live streamings become like the new thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wonder like if it's, Oh, well, not even that. Now or, it's like two minute videos. It's true. Yeah. Because people want like the instant gratification, instant information. Yeah, and like if you, you watch those, it's like yeah. so apparent how like they're. It feels like you're being like groped into a, like it, it it's it's like they're just trying to like Especially suck like, your soul basically. Like Instagram Reels, it's like you scroll and then this guy's right in your face, like here's how you do this, and it's like oh Jesus. Like, well, even then, like I don't understand because I get sucked up. We talked about this all the time, but like I get sucked up into watching Reels for. 20 30 minutes and i meant to watch one because like that one that popped up looked cool yep. and then all of a sudden i'm like 30 minutes in and i'm like what how did this even happen like i i i'm more and more inclined to believe of the harsher sides of social media for sure than before i was always like these old heads don't know what they're talking about like they're just old they don't know how to use the platform and then like my mind is basically like warped for mm -hmm. an hour and a yeah. half yeah and then like you're back mm -hmm. and then the whole thing where it's like you'll, you'll feel i don't know if it's like anxiety but it's like you don't feel good about it either like after yeah, it's like i just wasted a lot of time for like no reason you know what i mean it feels like oh i got nothing out of this and yeah I, I do think to a certain extent some of those older heads who talk about like not using your phone and like literally putting it away mm -hmm. which is like something we would never do right like yeah do you got you guys have your phone next to you or within arm's reach distance when you go to sleep yeah yeah a lot of time right like pretty much everybody i know has their phone on them when they go to bed right but there's like a small subset of like older people who like they're also part of like that self-help community type thing but they're all like yeah we don't sleep with our phone doctors are like don't sleep with your phone and I'm like, how? There's, there's something yeah. about like looking at a screen right before you go to bed is like, 
it's like harder to fall asleep or something. I don't know the science. The, the blue light. Uh, oh, something like. Dude, the first thing say. I stare at when I wake up is my phone. Like when I wake up, the yeah, first yeah. thing I think about notifications. Is, let me like what? Yeah. Let me look at my phone. Mm-hmm. I get into that too, man. And honestly, I've been trying to stop <laughs> recently. Yeah. In recent days, I've definitely been trying to be on my phone as little as possible. Um, and I don't know. I think it's just one of those things where like. It is weird because I notice it now, like when I wake up, if I don't have any interaction with my phone in the first five minutes, it's like, I'm like fine. Like it kind of goes away. But if I'm constantly going on it and trying to like look through apps or whatever it is, immediately the rest of like my morning is consumed by my phone, regardless of what I'm doing. And then like when you're in, when you're on your phone and like you're, you're stuck in that loop, do you go from like app to app? You're like, all right, let me check Twitter. Yep. Exactly. Okay. I check Twitter. Let's check Instagram. Yep. I go through all the socials. Let I me answer my, my snaps. My messages that I didn't, you know, read last night, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's really a waste of time. Um, so pain but. trying to try, <laughs> trying to like not do it as much anymore. But I, I did want to get into this, uh, Reese, we, we haven't really fully introduced you yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we started, we started with we, hockey right off. We started with hockey right off the bat. We really wanted to talk about hockey. That's mm-hmm. the Hunter Bedard. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so, how do you know Ed? What is your life story in like thirty seconds? So I've I've known Eddie since we were like what, kindergarten, preschool. Yeah, long way back. We used to hang out all the time. Um, but basically, did everything together, like sports. We'd go to like museums and stuff with our parents. Like we, his parents would always take me to the zoo. We'd always take him to the aquarium. That was like our trade off. Yeah, it was like we just did everything together as kids. So we were like pretty much best friends to the grade school and stuff. Um, That's sick, dude. Just maintained it obviously through like high school and college. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, I think, in, in high school, I will say in high school it was a little harder because yeah. we all went to different high schools. Yeah, um, all of our friend group. It's. And I, I say that because for a lot of people who like live in the suburbs, that's not a normal thing. Right. Usually the kids you go to grade school with, you go to high school with as well. Yeah. But uh, in the city, it's very unlike that. Like most people go their separate ways. Um, so we lost a little bit of touch, I would say, in high school, but then rekindled, obviously, when you get to college. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, you know, what's funny about him. We met when we were probably like four or five years old. And I was sitting at a restaurant with my parents when we were like four and Reese sees me from like the outside of the restaurant and he like pulls his parents in to like come say hi to me and I barely knew him at the time he just had seen me like one time or two times <laughs> from kindergarten and he comes up to me he gives me a big hug and I'm like super like thrown back I'm like who the hell is this kid and yeah. basically but what's funny is if you ask any of my friends how they met Reese it's almost the exact same story <laughs> like, like, I do have the memory I just remember people that's yeah. funny so like he would he would just go up to people and basically like see them and hug them when we were like four or five years old and that's every single one of my friends Omar Noah um Sam I'm pretty sure probably has a similar story all of them are like yeah like Reese just randomly came up to me at some place that we were at that he saw me at that's not my same policy now (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say it's it's just that's not the worst policy no it's not when you're you're like a kindergartner when you're five (laughs) you're five you do you do a lot of uh weird stuff but (laughs) (laughs) no that's 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 very wholesome I think you got so many friends that like you know that are same same story that uh, it's cool to meet you guys because it's like you guys have really seen each other like the whole yes through Pretty every much. iteration you know of, of baseball, life baseball baseball games playing baseball together like Gompers Park 
fights. It's when you know you're good friends when like your parents like trade off when you're dropping each other off. Yep. Like uh, you said, like Definitely. what if he takes to the aquarium, <laughs> one goes to the like, that. You got to be yeah. there's a, an elite level of Definitely. friendship there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, let's get into what you're up to these days because obviously you went to U of I. You have basically had this plan since you were young. You always liked developing things and being an architect. I always remember that something like from a very young age. Um, if you don't mind me telling one story, but when we were kids and he would come over to my house, he would build like these cities with books. So like very creative, like he would take a bunch of books that I would have in my shelf and he would set them up in such a way where like he built out streets and he built out taller buildings and smaller ones and like curves and football stadiums. And he would do these things with like very little. He would use cups. He would use books. He would use um, keys if they had them. Just like random things that typically most kids wouldn't think of doing. Yeah. But he, he would always figure it out. And so from a young age, I knew he, wanted, he was going to do something um, with infrastructure or architecture. And he's kind Were of Were you a Lego path. guy? So ironically, not I liked Legos, but I liked just taking them and building my own shit. I see, I, not I like the prescribed. I didn't like following. Like my mom would give me like the Star Wars ships and I wouldn't build them. I would like use the pieces to do other stuff. You're like, yes, I needed this corner for this other thing. Yeah, know. literally I would like, I need this one piece. <laughs> of a of a 5,000 piece set. Yeah, yeah, well not not literally one piece, but I would just like, I, w- I was bored following the instructions. I just wanted to do my own thing. I love No, dude, Lego. that, that is like. When I was a little kid, my dad got me like one of those big coffee table books of like all the baseball stadiums and the MLB. Yeah. And I would just put it on the floor and just like look at it. And I would mimic what I saw on like my play table um, and like my play area. And I would just build these stadiums from ground up, like from whatever I found around the house. And I'd make like little advertisements and have like Lego guys in the bleachers. Dude, that is sick. I made like, yeah. a, like a retractable dome that I could like pull across and like in like a track groove on the top. I was obsessed with it. Like the, all these ballparks in like Seattle and Houston and Milwaukee that are just awesome to look at. I was like mesmerized. And I would basically come over to Agardo's house and we just do the same thing. In yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, and I wasn't creative in that way. So when he started doing, it, I was like, "Oh wow, this kid's a well, lot Eddie better." Good at this idea. Eddie'd yeah. be like, "I'm gonna make the players, and I'm gonna make the the, the guys with the jerseys." I'm like, "All right, bet I'll make the yeah. entire like, stadium. I'll build, I'll build like a, no, but I'll build like a grandstand or something. We'll, yeah, we each had something we could do. Yeah, um, it was pretty fun. But yeah, so let's get into that now. So fast forward 24 years. Fast how forward. is this? Uh, how is this going to become your your? Yeah, how is this going to become your career? Um, so I went to U of I, got my undergrad degree in urban and regional planning. I waited one semester to like kind of work, and I didn't want to do like my grad school application right away because I would have had to finish it by that May of the end of U of I. And I'm like, there's too many, too many distractions going on. Fair. Mm, sure. Seeing like the videos. Did of, you like, have the, to take the GMAT? No, I didn't have to. If I wanted to get like in. I think if I wanted to get like an assistantship, I would have had to, but I didn't have to just to apply. So no, um, but I get my master's degree in urban planning and policy. I graduate like in December. I just finished my first week at a new internship that I'll hopefully get like retained in the future. Right. Um, I was telling Shiv about it earlier. Um, mm. So yeah, that's pretty, pretty exciting. I'm doing a lot. Of, I'm like around a lot of cool people, a lot of cool engineers that are doing like these pretty significant infrastructure projects mm. all over the Chicago, all over the country actually, but our headquarters is Chicago. Uh, some of the big projects they've finished is like the Englewood flyover, which if you don't know, it basically like separated uh, the Metro bridge from the freight train bridge. It put Metro like up on like a riser okay. above the freight train. So it's a pretty big like grade separation project that like alleviated a lot of rail traffic 
mm. um, for like a pretty big rail intersection on the south side. Um, stuff like that. Uh, bridges like over the Mississippi River, the Ohio River. Um, you know, some projects are small, some projects are huge. And I kind of like that there's variance in that. Mm. And what the thing I'm doing right now is I'm working on a database of all the projects this company has done in the entire entirety since like 1940s when it was founded. Yeah. And so I'm basically getting to like look up the geographical coordinates, see what they did, mark them down. And then I'm going to I'm going to try and create like an interactive map of all of them that somebody will be able to go in and like look all across the country like this is our influence. We did stuff in Seattle. We did stuff in Florida stuff in LA stuff and all over Chicago, Milwaukee, like you name it, they've done something there. Mm. So that, that's pretty much what I'm working on right now. Um, and it's really, it's pretty, it's pretty fun to like to see how much work they've done across the country. And I've always been really into like transportation and infrastructure. That's uh, my specialization in, in school right now. So I definitely want to work with like transit planning and management. Yeah. Okay. So can you, can, can you provide a little insight into this debacle and on I-90 and what's going to happen? Oh my God. So fun fact, I have, since it started, I haven't, I took the highway one time, saw how bad it was. I haven't taken the Kennedy inbound in over a month and a half. Good. Every time I've come here and every time I went to UIC for like the last month of school, I just took Irving to Western all the way down to like Jackson. It'll take, it'll take you an hour to go. It's not worth it. Or, or I would take the L. Or like the metro. Take, or yeah, something. yeah. Is there anything like going on with uh, on that front? Like, because uh, you're just saying like you're big into transportation. I know. Yeah. The well, new uh, mayor wants to I'm, up the transportation. He wants to here. finally input what we call BRT, which is bus rapid transit, which will affect you guys. Well, actually, not anymore, not anymore for you, Eddie. You're <laughs> here, but uh, the Ashland BRT project was a big project that was put forward in like i think it started in like 2013 and it's been like scrapped and brought up again and scrapped again over and over and brandon johnson says he's gonna do it which i'd like for him to do it but take it with a grain of salt what what's this like what's this project brt is um i guess i should start off with some context you know how the cta lines the train lines they all kind of shoot out from downtown in different directions yeah it's like a radial system and that looks great but it's basically the same way metro is laid out there's no interconnectedness yes you want to get from lincoln park to To here Yeah, you can't do yes. it. Yes. So back in like the 90s and early 2000s, they had a concept called the circle line. It basically would have, it would be like a big circle. It would have gone over, you know, west from Lincoln Park. The big chunk of it would have run along Ashland, either underground or so elevated. here, yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. much here. It would have gone, you know, connected like the pink line, the green line, orange line, all the way around to Cermak and then Dude, come around. Dude. So uh, it would have been awesome. They've never done it because it's super expensive and you have to go yeah. through all these like jurisdictional you know, spats with like aldermen and all, all, you know, whoever the hell has decisions down there. Politics, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically the Ashland BRT is when they close down, they make the inner lane of Ashland like a rapid transit bus lane with a stop every <laughs> half mile. And they have the, you know, the boulevard thing in the middle, like where the plants yes. are. Yes. their platforms. And uh, the buses theoretically would get signal priority, meaning like the green lights would like to stay green if there's a bus If there's coming. a bus coming. Yeah, it yeah. favors the bus. And so, like, in some neighborhoods, that's, like, you know, very, like, championed. People that need to use the bus all the time. Yeah. In some neighborhoods where people like their cars, are like, no, Ashland's a two-lane road. I like having my two-lane road. I don't want to have this. Because it would affect the way you, like, make left turns. All this crazy shit would happen if you did. But you're, 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 you're for this, right? Like I think I'm for it because I, I, re- I recognize the fact that the public transit in the city can, like, kind of sucks in terms of interconnecting the lines that already exist. Yes. If they're not going to build the circle line. This is the next best thing, mm-hmm. running along Ashland, which is kind of like a it's a it's not the widest circle, but it's a wide enough circle that it connects a lot of people. It you does. Need, you yeah. really only need to connect a couple neighborhoods. That's pretty much it. And Ashland runs from 
tip of the northwest or tip of the north side all the way down to the south yeah like yeah. deep in the south very far it's a big yeah. big street yeah where's more of the pushback coming from on this project has it been legislation or has it been like the citizens it's a little bit of both but um i think the big thing is that some aldermen are for it and some are against it but i mean that's kind of the same thing as the people because the aldermen are going to act how their people feel because those are the people that put them hope, in office right? dude yeah you know so i guess it's kind of the same thing back in our convo we had like three weeks ago about politics yeah man vote vote because vote. vote for your like vote for your vote for your local aldermen your local judges your mayor because like those you it actually matters and i said this back on when we we were covering um we were talking about presidential elections and stuff and i was saying how you know who becomes president is has very little to do with your day-to-day -day life yep right whether it was Donald Trump or Joe Biden, it really wouldn't affect your day-to-day -day as much as your alderman does. Because that is your local community. You experience all of the changes every single day versus on a federal level, it may take tons of time to even... Yep. And some of it might not even apply to you, right? Yeah. But um, but so like, would you, would you rather have this full circle line, like a full CTA circle line? Or is this bus thing gonna like... It's 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 not as good, but it's good enough. Are we assuming I have like unlimited? We have like unlimited funding. <laughs> yes, I think, this purpose, I mean, I think yes. the circle line would be better because then that doesn't impede the driving. So, and and you can comment on this, right? So in yeah. New York, they're building um, Second Avenue subway. They're, they're building another. I subway. did a, a capstone paper on that exact subway. Okay, well, <laughs> very. I'm very. Uh, it's I, awesome. Th this is perfect. <laughs> this is this is perfect because. I was uh, reading an article about how much this project costs, right? And the one thing with construction projects is you always see over and over again, right? It's over budget, mm. mostly because you can't actually budget a 10-year project out to its granular level because it's impossible to forecast those things. But at the same time, it's costing like damn near a billion dollars per like mile. Yeah. It's like a trillions dollar project. And okay, so you did a paper on this. Is is there a situation where the net benefit is positive on a project like this? Yeah, I think so. Because that if you look at like Manhattan, um, like how every major street has like a, a line associated with it, like a train line. Yeah. And they're all different colors, but they don't uh, refer to them by colors like we do here, like blue, red, whatever. There's like Oh, that's the line. The red is associated going underneath 7th Avenue. Mm -hmm. Blue is 8th Avenue. Uh, it's going to be teal, I think, underneath 2nd Avenue. And it's like that opens up like an entire another corridor of the city for new development. Because the only line east of Central Park is the Lexington line, which has like the 4, 5, and 6 trains on the green one. There's nothing else east of Central Park all the way to the East River. Okay. So those people got to walk a long way to get to the train. Or like they just don't have train service. So when they build that there and it goes the entire length of the island, that's going to open up like a ton of opportunity. So like um, it's going to bring in more businesses, more people. It's going to be more traffic, more uh, fair revenue, definitely, because people uh, won't use alternatives to the train. They'll just use the train when they once they have it. Right. And transit in New York is even though I don't know if you maybe you could disagree with this, but. It's got one of the best subway systems. Oh, it does. You can't compare it to anything in the world. I was in a transit class last semester. My teacher was brilliant. Um, and one of the things he said is when you're comparing um, any transit system in the United States to another one in the United States, never compare New York to anything else. It's an anomaly. 
Yeah. It is the volume of people and the size of the system and the size of the land area that it serves, the track Crazy. mileage, the hours of operation. Yeah. There, there is no place in the United States that you can compare to it. Like Chicago and Philadelphia are probably like the two, maybe Boston, like two or three second place ones, third place. We, probably Chicago. New York, yeah. their volume of daily service is probably like at least four times what we have in right. a day. Like it's Which is like insane. everybody takes the train. Yeah. Yeah. To get in, because driving there sucks. It, it's, that's horrible. Driving there's not even possible. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like like we complain about ninety and all that shit. Like, mm -hmm. people can still get in from the suburbs in an hour and a half. You won't be able to get like six miles, five miles in New York by driving in like two hours. Yeah, yeah. it'll take you more than two hours to drive from Queens to the lower end of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. It's actually forget how big. Brooklyn and Queens actually are. It's huge. Yeah, they're yeah, and it's like far. It's, it is far, but yeah. at the same time, it's not though because we're talking about you can take the yeah, you can take a train anywhere. We're talking about like three or four square miles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. So and like so that's I'm glad you brought that up and you were saying that there is a net benefit because all you see in the news is look at this overblown construction project. Uh, it's not even going to do anything. Like so, oh, it'll do something. Yeah. What was so that, that uh, what was the project called that just finished last year? Like connecting ninety and two ninety and like all the like the big. Oh, is that like the? It was shaped like a figure eight, for the highway. Talk about like the Elgin O'Hare extension, like four ninety on the west side of O'Hare. No, no, no. What was the? It was like this, like. It's oh, like the a, Jane Byrne. The interchange downtown. Interchange, yeah, yeah. yes. That yes. thing's been going on like our most of our lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So But you can't really work on an inter interchange like that. We can't just like shut down the work the highway completely. So you gotta work highways. while you're letting yeah. cars go. So it's, it's I understand it takes a long time. But do you think was that one another one where the press on that was probably a bit too overblown because of how yeah, the net it's, benefit? It, it's so necessary. I mean, that's like the intersection of two major highways in downtown Chicago. They need to be, I mean, first of all, if it's a safety issue, like there's no choice. Right. So that'd be, we, uh, that's obvious we get that out of the way. But also, it's like you can handle a higher volume of cars. You know, you're, if you're basically facilitating commerce and travel and tourism by having like a more better and more efficient highway system. Yeah. And so you're connecting the western suburbs to Dan Ryan, the south, south suburbs, Indiana and Michigan. That's how people come into the city. Everyone goes through the Jane Byrne. So getting that done was essential, I think. It's, all, it's also like an iconic... You know, you should be proud of your infrastructure. It's like kind of yes. an iconic interchange right in the middle of downtown. Like there's people that probably come from other other places in the country and they're like, holy shit, look at this. Well, I mean, I think With you not even, even echo this, right? Tower. They just look at the interchange. <laughs> We've all done that boat tour. Yeah. Right? The Sea Dog. Or whatever whatever <laughs> it is. It, it just opened again this week. But it's like the architecture tour. Yeah. I used to work for that company. Really? I was a greeter. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> this is all Navy working Pierce. out. This is I all know. working out very well. A lot of a lot of our questions have been answered. Um, we've been talking about for like. Oh, weeks. I mean, I have I have more in terms of infrastructure. Yeah, I, of course. I, so our infrastructure historically has been rated like a D rating. That's been like the thing in the press since we were in high school. I remember. You saying ours isn't like what like it's in yeah. the United States. States. Okay. The United yeah. States overall infrastructure oh, yeah. is piss poor, yeah. according to the news. Right. Okay. Uh. So is this because there hasn't actually been substantial development on interstates and transportation since the Eisenhower era? And it, it, we just haven't put money into well, those? We've, well, we've put, we've put money only into the roads because we're like such an auto-centric people in America. But not the trains. and Not, not the, the trains. Like you look at, um, you look at Europe and like the land use, it's associated with like 
I'd like to think it's just more like theoretical, but like in Europe, the and going back to historical times, like these cities like Paris and London that were founded way before we were even discovered in America, it's like the, you desired to live in the city center by where the action was happening, mm-hmm. like the wealthy, the status, you know, all that. The mansions were in the city center, like in Amsterdam, they have something called the Golden Ring, which is around one of the canals right in the middle of smack middle of downtown. Yeah, it's where all like the merchants lived and all that. And so people, at some point in America, we decided to flip the script where it's more desirable to value your privacy and autonomy with your wealth and live farther from the city center Mm. instead of being in the center. Right. So we are really one of the first, I'm not going to say we invented suburbs because we we didn't like literally invent them. I think we did. We invented the idea of it being like a desirable thing because in other countries, like you live in the suburbs, it means you're poor. You can't afford to live close to the city. Now it's here. That's like we'd so, rather yeah, live farther yeah. out there. So, how much? How much do you know about the London like train system? A decent amount. It's one of my favorite ones that I've been to. Right. So I, I I'm from there and everything. So I I used it quite a bit. And I every time I go, I was there a few months ago, and they built a new line, a new uh, subway line called the Elizabeth Line. Oh and, really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. It's uh technic- It's will be. It will be like our purple line, basically. Okay. It is like. What I would say, like, you know how you say, like, you can't, you can't compare to New York because of the, it is one of the nicest. It's one of those. Like, but it's a subway. Yeah. It costs $2 to ride. Yeah. Honor system sometimes. Like, it it is, it'll take you straight. So what they built it for was to take you straight from Heathrow Airport, which historically is terrible to get in and out of. They have a big highway problem too on M25. That's their main highway. It's like R290. Mm -hmm. And they built a line that is one of the nicest lines you will probably ever ride in any city in the world that takes you straight from the airport to the city center. Like, it, like an express, like no stops in between? There, there are stops. Okay. But it, it, the thing, the difference is there is uh, like we had all the lobbying that stopped the trains getting built, right? The trains there to and from the suburbs, even though you're right, it is way more desirable to live in a city center in place like in Europe than it is here. Yeah. But the trains run every 20 minutes. Yeah. Here, they run every hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. the train takes an hour and a half to get 30 miles. Mm-hmm. Over there, it takes 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Because the trains are newer, too. Yeah. They also have, like, more high-speed rail corridors because their land use is favors the trains. Because they don't have as many highways, because they don't have as many suburbs, and they don't, like, need it as much as we do. They don't... Um, in America, you know, we're very, like... This is my land, my house, my property. You're not going to take it from me. Evident domain. Over there, the I guess I don't. I can't speak exactly, but the p- land use policies, land ownership policies in other places in the world are a lot different than here. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's more like for the country, not just for the self. No, and and so the town, ta- even the suburbs are more packed in. So like our suburbs are very yes. like wide scaping, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Like you look at a place like Schaumburg, right? It's very you, wide. You'll mm-hmm. be in like a suburb in Europe, and you won't even realize you're in a suburb because it still feels like it'll it, feel like a city. city. Yeah. It'll feel like a city. That's interesting. What, where, like London? We're talking it, it, everywhere? Well, it, 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 it was like that too. I lived yeah. in a suburb town. Okay. Yeah. And didn't feel like I was any different than being in the city. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's just because of the, like, the way zoning is done, they don't allow enough land to have like these big, expansive houses okay. with big backyards. And like, no one has a big backyard. Yeah. Okay. There Your backyard big, is like a. There isn't as much land to go around because there's so many different countries. Like if it was one country with a bunch of states, it might be a little different. Kind of like us, you know, we're huge in the yeah. United States. We have so much, we have like too much land almost, you could argue. We do have too much land, you know, I think. Uh, I mean, look, dude, look at look at the size of Alaska. 
Yeah, it's huge. But Alaska, true to size, in the middle of the U.S., it takes up like half the thing. Yeah. Right? And nobody lives in Alaska. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, we have an we insane... Bought it from Russia for how much? I forget. It was like $12 million. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was... That's crazy. Um, steal of we essential. robbed. That robbed and the, the Louisiana purchase is really the, like, Big robbery time. of the year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thomas Jefferson is the negoti- negotiator of the year. He won all the awards yeah. that year. That, I mean, because that basically got us New Mexico and like all of those southern states that we have now was all from one yep. purchase. Yeah. Yeah. But so you're a, you're a history nut too, then, huh? A little bit. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He is. That's, uh, Don't let him fool you. We, we've talked many times on this podcast about, especially like myself, how much I appreciate learning about history. And I was a big history. Like, I, I am a, I'm a finance guy, right? Accounting finance yeah. guy. History still to me is one of the most interesting subjects. Coolest things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Dude, we could get into regimes. We could get into all that stuff with Reese. Reese, what was your favorite favorite regime? Favorite regime. Yeah. In in old um in old Europe. We'll go first. How how old are we saying? We're talking like, like uh, post we'll, ta- we'll, we'll yeah, we'll say we'll say ancient ancient Greek. Like in that that era. Ooh, I, I'd probably go with um, Carthage is pretty sick, and it's a, it's pretty underrated. Not a lot of people know. Explain, explain why. But that's uh, that's Hannibal, the dude who took the elephants across the Alps. To, <laughs> he wanted to destroy Rome, and he got all the way within sight of Rome, and then at the last minute, he decided, nah, screw it. I'm going to make them come all the way over here and fight me. And then he lost. I was going to say. History of blown leads. Car- like the Car- warriors of Hannibal. Got burned to the ground, right? That was... they, uh, they, salted the, they salted the soil. Yeah. Right. So right. nothing would ever grow yeah, there. Yeah, so again. nothing could ever yeah. grow there. I, I do remember that. He walked all the way across Spain, across southern France, across the Alps. Got all the way to the outskirts of Rome and just said, you know what? Fuck. Uh, we're okay. going to go all the way back and then make them come to us. And then he lost at home. So it's probably why you made your men walk. I don't know how many miles that is. They're probably dead fucking tired. Well, I mean, that kind of happened to Alexander the Great, too. It was like, you, he, got, this yeah. dude walked like he was basically in India at this point. Mm-hmm. And like, they were like, okay, dude, <laughs> when are we going to We're pretty set up far. Camp? We're yeah. pretty far from seen, Greece. I haven't seen my wife in 20 years. My kids are 38. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Dude, <laughs> that is wild, bro. Yeah, they're just gone. Back then, they like, you go to war, see ya. You gone. miss your whole kid's childhood, everything. You miss everything. I mean, you're pretty much just done. You come back and your kids got kids. And you're like, what, you're like, uh, what happened that's, here? That's, Let's talk about your favorite leader ever. Favorite leader. Yeah, and we can talk like messed up ones, obviously. There's like just of, like maybe maybe a maybe a guy right? whose whose strategy really influenced you and you liked a lot. Um, there's a few that come to mind. Napoleon, obviously, yeah. one of history's biggest assholes. But like, God, he just won so much. Yeah, they, they kept making coalitions to fight him. Like he just kicked their ass every single time. He just threw it back. Like Austria, Prussia, Russia. They're like, all right, this time we're gonna bring Sweden in. And we're gonna beat you this time. He's like, nope. And he beats. There's like five <laughs> five or six different campaigns. I think that he just won. And and he got and he got coerced to get bring back to get brought back. Yeah, he escaped exile and then he got exiled again. <laughs> uh, it was him, and then uh, I don't know, maybe Mehmed the second, the Sultan who conquered Constantinople. I just finished rewatching their uh, the awesome documentary on Netflix. There's a, two seasons. One's about them conquering Constantinople, and the second season I just finished rewatching it. It's him fighting against Vlad Dracula, his childhood friend, when he invades uh, Romania to kill Dracula. He was a real person, right? Not a vampire. Not a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Just a leader. Just the, yeah, just a king, like a 
like a king of Wallachia, which is like a southern the southern half of Romania. He was like the like he was a vassal king who refused to pay his tribute. Basically said fuck you to the sultan, and the sultan came and he had a scorched earth policy when the Ottoman army was coming. He like they burned all the forests. They threw pigs, dead pigs, in all the water because they knew that majority Muslim soldiers wouldn't touch it. Wow. So these guys were like, like and obviously he it's was the impaler. Warfare, so he's huh? impaling dudes along the road every five feet. That's crazy. He launched, uh, he like did, he had like one of the first, no, well, not the first because the Mongols did it, but like biological warfare where he had like a bunch of people with plague put on Ottoman uniforms and sneak into the camp like zombies, like walking around infecting people. That's wild. He would always attack at night. He had the infamous night attack, which is like his last card that he played where he attacked the Sultan's camp in the middle of the night and tried to personally kill him. Because it was like a well-documented strategy that Alexander the Great used when he beat the Persians. Well, he just attacked the king, hmm. Darius, killed him. The all, army fell apart. Fall apart. So yeah. He's like, we could end the Ottoman Empire right now if we just hit the camp at night, and it didn't work. He came very close. He was like two tenths away. <sighs> like Vlad himself went. So I'm going to kill him because Vlad Dracula and his younger brother grew up in the Ottoman court as hostages. Hmm. Um, so they were the same age and like they were fighting. But he's always like, I'm still like your prisoner. Like you're not like my friend. I you know, see. So he became disloyal and he's like, ah, screw this guy, you know. So he rebelled. And yeah, so the craziest part of the story is that when so Vlad flees, he's kind of like Hannibal. They never caught him. Like Hannibal with the Romans, they chased him forever. They never caught him. The Ottomans never caught Dracula. So the idea is the fact he's alive out there somewhere, which is terrifying. Because he had a lot of influence with the King of Hungary, and Hungary was the other world power at the time with like the famous black army that was capable of like destroying the Ottoman empire. Like it was Ottomans and Hungarians were the two biggest uh, forces. The, the Ottoman empire is one of the longest, was one of the longest yeah. standing empires of all time. Yeah. And a crazy like, range of land they conquered. Like they get, they're all the way up into like Eastern Austria. And you always think Ottomans, you think of like Egypt and like the Levant and Turkey. It's like, no, they were in like Poland and stuff too. That's how far they got. So yeah, um, it, it was one of the biggest empires ever. You know who had a, Scorched Earth policy in the United States. Who? William oh, Sherman. Sherman, yeah. yeah. March to the Sea. Yeah, that dude burned Atlanta to the ground. But um, <laughs> why? He burned everything. He was always a bit crazy. Okay. Uh, he was a he was a general in the Northern Army, and if you thought that Grant was a psycho because of how drunk he always got, like Grant, Grant was like vapor. <laughs> <I'm> serious. <laughs> he knows like, him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm not too far off there. Like, Sherman was actually crazy. Okay. Like, mental hospital crazy. Mm. Um, and basically, like, they needed somebody to go down there into in in the South and, you know, start stirring something up because it wasn't going that well, uh, up in Pennsylvania. Mm. And so, he, I think he got asked to like run the actual full army and he said no because i actually don't think i could do this like i think i would lose all my marbles so when he went down there every city that he took he just burned it to the ground just burn it all so he burned atlanta savannah like just just for town to town well, and also it everybody got scared okay because when these guys would roll into town it was like oh they they mean more than business mm. right they and he like it was one of the big. It was one of the one of the big reasons why the North ended up winning the war, and it turned. It was like a morale shift mm -hmm. because it's like it's not just like you lost, 
okay, we lost a battle. Okay, like we can regroup, right? The North lost a lot of battles. Mm -hmm. But the North lost a battle where I, I think they got Lee's plans and they still lost. Like, yeah. it, unreal. But, you know, it. all the people basically got scared and it kind of shut down the Southern morale at that point. And the North, once Gettysburg happened, it kind of just swung their way swung their way yeah no that's amazing um let's talk a little bit about mr zosko oh no <laughs> my favorite teacher this this is see this is both of our favorite teachers this is the teacher i've talked about multiple times on this podcast nice. and actually want to get her on um i got her phone number by the way nice so i'm gonna see if i can i can get her on here um but yeah, let's talk about her. Did she play as much of an influence uh, on you and even like your love for history as she did on yeah, me? Yeah, definitely. Because she made it like funny. Yeah. Uh, she made it like interesting. Um, there was like little things in like the way, like, you know, sometimes teachers like they're like, I want my homework turned in like this certain way. We're like, I don't want your name in the left corner. I want it in the right corner. And we're like, why does it matter? So just because it does. Like, just do it. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And like stuff like that, it's like it kind of prepared me for like some of the teachers I had in the Loyola. Um, I had a teacher who was very similar to Miss Rosasco Loyola, who was like my favorite teacher in high school because she was like Miss Rosasco. Yeah. Like all these like things. It was like it made it a good learning environment. Um, so it's like, I guess like those little things. You just you kind of yeah. latch onto them. And a lot, a lot of people thought you they needed were, to have everything in order yeah. before you could actually start learning. Like everything needed to be in the right place. Pretty much. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And she and another thing about her is she would handle every single fundraiser that the school would do. Like she was in charge of all of them. She was constantly moving. She like still does a lot of it. Twenty four seven. Yeah, she retired. She she drives. I think she does like the bus. She still handles a lot of the fundraisers, all of the big auctions that the school would have to raise money. Which for a private school is like necessary because private schools are like, I mean, their margins are not very good mm -hmm. at all. If you know yeah. anything about like a yeah. Catholic school, it's it's not good. Right. Um. So you know she handled all of that along with you know teaching kids for forty plus years, however long she did it. Um. And yeah, that's why I have such a great admiration for her. And there's a saying too, like if you have one bad teacher, it can ruin your entire experience in school. I think the same can be said the opposite. If you have one good teacher, I think it could change your entire yeah. outlook on change life. your whole life. You could tell yeah. some people are doing it because they love it, like teaching Catholic grade school. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Like they're oh, doing it sure. because they love it and they love the community and the people. Yeah. And the kids. So. Um, and then there's something definitely rubs off on you. Well, and I think it's another impact too, just in general, when you're being taught by somebody who actually like loves what they're doing, it's different. It's yeah. just very different. Yeah. Sometimes you'll get like the guy who's like, I wanted to be the science teacher, but I ended up just being the history teacher. And like, they don't, you can tell they don't like history, but they're qualified to teach it, but they just kind of don't care. Ms. Rosasco loved geography and history and social studies and politics, government. She, you could tell she legitimately loved it. Yeah, you know, she made and she made. I think she made a lot of all of us love it. I think a lot of guys don't want to admit it. But I think we all oh, enjoyed yeah. her class to some degree. Yeah, oh man, you have to. You couldn't not enjoy it. And you also had those teachers. I think we've all had those teachers where they basically tell you what they wish they could have done. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, like oh, I went to, I didn't get into this school, and so then I went here and I started teaching, and now I teach. Or it's like, I could have got this internship or I could have moved here. And it's like, at the time you were like, probably like, well, whatever. Right. Now I look back on it. And I'm like, the teachers that really cared never said those things. Nope. Never. I had a math teacher in high school and his claim to fame was he was the salutatorian 
uh, in his graduating class. He had a 3.5. He got into every major school that he wanted to get into. And for some reason, he was teaching math at our school. And you can tell when he would tell that story, there was like a loathing and a resentment in his Pain. voice every single time. And he was a dickhead. I didn't like him. Nobody really did. You um, thought he was better than the job you had. Exactly. Yeah. Because of how we had that. Yeah, we did. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch mm -hmm. on the wheel. Yep. Yeah. It. That's another big thing you pointed out is thinking that they were bigger than the job that they were doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like those were always the worst. Because it's like, all right, dude. Like, you think I'm employing you? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I'm if, just here. If you don't want to, like, you know how they always say, like, you have bad professors in college, and the only reason they're at these schools because they like being close to the research and they don't like give a shit about teaching. That's why the TA does most of the work. So like in grade school, if you're gonna do that job, it's like half teaching, but also half like developing young minds. You have to like, it's like adopting a puppy when you don't really want a dog. It's like now you're responsible for this. You took this job. You yeah. can't you can't like willingly suck at it or just like not care about what you're doing day to day because you're responsible in part for the development of these people. Hundred percent. You know, like college, it's like yeah, they're adults anyway. Right. Yeah. If you want to show up to my class, I don't care or uh, whatever. This and like, like at you're the end there of the day, every day. Your learning's your responsibility it's, at that point. Yeah. 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 Here it's yeah. very good point. That was a bar, by the way, Reese. Very good bar. Yeah. Um but yeah, I no, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I I think it's an important point to make. Like she was she was an amazing teacher. It's not often that we get another ads guy on the podcast, so I wanted to make that clear, uh, that she's the goat. Um Let's get into a little bit of this Shy Sox stuff that's going on right now. All three of us are White Sox fans. Oh, this is good talking to hear. Tim Anderson, yeah. or are you talking just the team? We're talking like... <laughs> Got the we're team. Yeah, we're talking okay. the team. Let's focus on the team. Got yeah. the team. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? They've actually been doing a little bit better now. They have. Beginning of the season, holy shit. It was they the, were first, like time nine in, in the first time in my life where I've legitimately... People who know me, Eddie knows this. Like I'm such a huge Sox fan. It like dictates my mood for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, how they're doing. Dog, I'm sorry. And so it's like a bad month. Yeah. It, it was bad. 162 days of that. It was the first time in my life where I've been happy to have so much school that um, I like. Don't have to worry about the White Sox. <laughs> I was like, I, I just shut them out of my mind. I'm like, when they start winning, I'll notice and then I'll care. Because right now they don't. I'd rather actually just sit in my class than have them on my, the stream on my phone, on my lap to, to watch. I don't even want to watch this team right now. Right now they're playing a little bit better. The pitching is getting better. Uh, some of the bats are starting to I feel to like up. if we don't have Luis Robert, the team is like a triple-A team. That's bad. Yeah. Um, it's tough. You know, and we still have Gavin Sheets playing right field for some fucking reason. <laughs> God, I thought we were past that time. Uh, I love how the White Sox, their new home, you know how every team like now has a home run celebration in the dugout where they give them like a hat or something? Mm -hmm. The Sox used to have a home run chain, which was like so on brand for the Sox. <laughs> now, I don't know if you saw, they have like the Mafia thing no oh that's sick i got a what? picture of andrew vaughn right here i'll show it to you wearing it. he looks like such a dork wearing it <laughs> um is that how often put? do you head out to guaranteed rate it's like they put it's like a like a, like a mafia white Sox coat in a fedora that's awesome <laughs> put on. I, i've only been to one game this year i've been to a game at wrigley miller and Sox park this year okay are you trying to hit them all um, I think I told you my neighbor Alejandro yeah, hit all he, of them as a kid. My neighbor, when they were growing up, his him his parents did a road trip every year. Like they did the east one summer and the, the west the next summer. They've been to every ballpark. He's been to pretty much every single one. Like now, there's like more. They've changed some. There's been some new ones built, but for the most part, he's I'd say he's been to at least ninety two percent of them. Yeah, if you've been to old and new Yankee Stadium, that's pretty um, flex. Yeah, I, he, I don't know if he was old or new. He had to have been old because. The new one came up what like 2010? Yeah. 09, 2010? Yeah, he probably did this. Earlier, he yeah. probably did these trips in like 2007. 
Yeah, so you probably so got the old one. Yeah, I got remember it. Remember Power in. Pros? We were playing that game. Yeah, Jesus, right that's uh, like, holy crap! Back. Unlocked the memory in my brain. Video game ever made. Wow, <laughs> dude, I can't. <laughs> Another thing about you, dude, is your memory is incredible. You can pull up a, a something that I said in second grade that I would never have remembered if you didn't say it to me. And you, you have that effect with like Omar too. I know he's like always gets pissed at you about. It. He's like, Reese, why do you fucking remember that? But <laughs> I, uh, that, that's crazy to me that you like. You have. I still I still put on the Wii and play Power Pros once in a while. Yeah, I would. Oh, you have to for old time's sake, dude. I, I I never would have remembered that until he just said that. But now that he said that, it's unlocked like all these old memories of Power Pros. But wow, dude, do you have a photographic memory? Is that what it is? I well, like well, when you when you see something, do you learn it right away? No, well, I don't. I don't know because that's what the definition of photographic memory is. Like if you can like look at a paragraph and you can like remember. It, yeah, like, and like right away. I don't right. think I have that. I just remember like experiences. Like I can, I can go back to like exact moments and experiences from like first grade and stuff, and remember the room and the people in it and like the vibe. I wouldn't say it's as much specific information as it is like, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't remember like what the chalkboard said in second grade or something just because I saw it. For sure. Okay. But like maybe some somewhere on the road to that. I wouldn't say exactly, but it's still though someone like me who has a pretty awful memory. I would say it like ebbs and flows most days it's it's incredible the like people like you people like vapor i think he has something like that too where he can like remember exactly what you said and he'll use it against you um anytime that i, I also think it's like based on how like we're naturally inclined right so like we're not as creative as what you described as as a child right that right. i think has something to do with mm the other the memory piece of things I, I i really do like i think we're that that and that's why i think like really the there shouldn't be a push there should be like a push to like i remember back when they like they made us do art yeah and we would i would just do nothing <laughs> yeah right some kids would go nuts <laughs> in art class yeah. right well some kids were talented in art and they enjoyed it other kids were oh. forced to and it's like i fucking suck at this and now you're putting my my terrible artwork in the hallway but, for but, everyone to see. But, it. but you're right, I know, I know. As one of those kids with terrible artwork, I was very embarrassed every time. I was like, "Yep, that, that one, that was yeah. me." But uh, like, I think at some point, right, that stops, and they stop making you be creative mm. in school. It's just exam, 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 and then if you take a class that's only project based, project, project, project. But well, there's nothing where it's just like, I "Hey, think, make this, make the, something." I think the problem with being creative is that like. In grade school, it's like creative is such a it became like a binary word that meant like art project or no art project. It's like you can be creative in other ways. Like you right. can be a good writer. You can like be a like a brilliant like you can find out other ways to like solve math problems. That's still being creative. You could be a builder. School, it's right? just like, like, hey, did you paint this flower really nice or did you do a crappy job? It's like that is that's not the only two ways. Of, that's not the only creative. It's only, it's not the only path to creative. There's a bunch of other ways you can do it. And in grade school, I think it's overly enforced. It's just art, art, art. It's like not everyone loves. I feel like it's art. the cheap, it's the cheap creative class that they choose. It is because yeah. then the teacher can put all the. Uh, no offense to Mr. Oscar or the teacher, they can put all the projects in the hallway and be like, "Look what my class did." It's, yeah, that's kind of very true. And all the other teachers can be like, "Crap, I, dude, I, gotta, I need to step. I need to make my kids do art. So I got to have something to put outside my room." Dude, yeah. I got a B minus in art class in grade school because my lines weren't straight enough. Oh, that was like that was the actual reason, though. I hated how those but, classes were part of our like curriculum for like actually. Yeah, I hate how it yeah. counted. Yeah, it's crazy thinking it. back on. I, it. I got a C in art in middle school. Computers and, like, kind that of hurt important. my like. Yeah. Grades significantly. Computer, computer's important. If I'm not a musician, I'm not an artist. 
You know, does it really matter? Yeah. I, for, that, that, but, for that sort of grade? Oh, you know? when they made you do, like, dude, the amount of time wasted on a recorder. Yeah. Did you have to do that? Mm, I don't think We so. had to use a recorder. Our music class music was class. just singing. Okay. Yeah, ours was really dumb. It was just singing in the music fair. We had this 80-year-old witch teach our class, uh, and she she would just yell at us if we didn't sing on, like, on note or whatever. It was uh, interesting. Well, to be fair, like, a lot of us, like, went out of our way. Oh, yeah, we made her life hell. (laughs) But, like, that goes back to the, like, good teacher, bad teacher thing. I think kids can sniff out easily when they're not doing it for the right reasons. And, yeah, the more I think about it, it's like, we knew. Yeah. We all knew. And so you're going to terrorize them. And that's what happens with a lot of teachers who, like, struggle, like, having control of their class. Yeah. Is the kids know, like, you're not in it to really be here and teach and for being, me. So they're going to torture you. Being a tougher disciplinarian isn't like the way you establish the authority. You no, gotta, it's you gotta, not. You got to like invite them into it. Dude, we, I went to an all-boy high school, so it's testosterone-filled. There is a ton of people in every class constantly trying to one-up each other, a bunch of like alpha males, beta males trying to like fight for the top spot, right? And you get into the, some of these classes with these female teachers a lot of the time, and you could always tell when there was a female teacher there who didn't get respect. And it's usually because she, one, sucked at her job, or two, she really didn't care about being there. Yeah. Like, but it, it's not just because, like, they were a female. Like, that's not what it was. Because there were some female teachers who could command the room. A classroom. Yeah. And, like, every single guy in there, regardless of how much they would act up in other classes, would, you know, they'd know when to quiet down with them. Button it up. When yeah, they're in there. exactly. Yeah. Um, and that happened all the time. And so th- to think that, like... It's just bad kid. I really just think it's definitely just bad teachers sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. No. I. I it's like I don't even blame. You can't blame the kids. No. Not really. Dude, it, we're like nine. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. it it's really it's not it, an interesting curriculum. It's not fun. No. Not, and it, like yeah. Feel sure. Is it is it easy to teach music and make a bunch? If your curriculum is literally just singing, like yeah. you said, no, it's not. But. I know teachers that have made the boring and dumbest concepts sound incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I also think like the problem too is people have used it as like a backfall career. It's also true. You know what I mean? And it's like they never wanted to do that in the first place. They also never knew what they wanted to do in the first place. That's very true. Yeah. So. Uh, Yeah. It's very true. I think also there's a subset of teachers, not a lot of them, but they like, like their summers off. And having like a two-week spring break or you know break. a month, yeah, like yep. they just love the I don't know, um, lack of time. Maybe is the right word. I don't know what the right you're word. For time that. off. If you're time off. Balance. Yeah. 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 CPS, you're technically like a union employee because you're in a teachers' union. You literally are a, you're a union employee. Yeah. You can strike whenever you want. Which is also yeah, that a hurts. Man. That's why it's one of the reasons my parents never said like. At least in Chicago, they're like, we never really considered you going to a public school because, like, we were afraid of the strikes. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, rightfully so, though. Like, you yeah. want your kids in school. I don't want my kids dealing with. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a public school, too. It's not like the people have any control over how much the teachers get paid. Right. It's so, true. Um, with the union, they do, but that also leads to its own problems. Yeah, I mean, I... Chicago has some of the higher-paid teachers in the U.S., actually. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Well, yeah, but I think, like, a huge chunk of that pot goes like the selective enrollment high schools more mm, than the other schools. That makes sense. So it's the Lane, yeah. the Lanes, the Whitney's, the North Sides, the Jones. Those people, those dudes get and ladies get more money than uh the guys teaching at like Tilden or uh Well yeah that uh, makes sense. Taft or something. Well Taft is Taft is like pretty good now. 
It is, which is wild. Taff used to be when we were a, kids, it was a dump. Uh, yeah. It was our neighborhood. They got high an school. IB program and now they have they have like a huge freshman campus over by the hip. Yeah. With a new football field. I think that's I think that's smart to do too for high school. Separate the freshmen from everyone else. Maybe it's not. I, c- I could be wrong, but like I've seen it popping up a lot more, so there clearly has to be some study that shows it works. I have at schools that are bigger. Yeah. Utrecht does that. The yeah. Utrecht freshman campus was like bigger than Loyola. And it was like five it's minutes crazy. away from school. I remember like Lyons Township ha- yep. has a separate freshman campus mm-hmm. too. Neuqua Valley had a separate freshman campus too. It, uh, We didn't. And I don't, I mean, I don't know what the like. Benefit. Adverse, y- yeah. yeah. I re- it, it's not like it's for better or for worse. Yeah. Like I was agreed. mixed up with seniors and I thought that was cool. Yeah. Agreed. Like, it's like, I mean, I, I was it. already young too. When you I mat- you matured really fast. You're like thrown into the pool. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I was 13. Yeah. When I like entered i or no technically 14 when i first entered high school mm-hmm. and was like it was cool to talk to kids who were 18 because like yeah. they are light years ahead of you even though it's only four years like the difference between 24 and 28 is not as great as 14 and 18 right mm-hmm. but like it, it was just it was just cool to see and i mean and from my perspective we won state my freshman year so it was nice to have the upper class for sure throwing ragers because it, it, it was like hard as a freshman to really enjoy the the moment but yeah Absolutely. i don't know i uh i just want i want to be able to uh i want you to build this stupid bus thing so i can get to work <laughs> yeah get to get you the blue line like instantly. yeah it, I, yeah man that's gotten like it'll, it'll connect all the lines exponentially worse too since we, we moved in a year ago now and like when it started like the blue line was like fine and then for some reason it over the past year it delays have gone up way more there's been just a lot more ruckus like on the line. Like I don't know what exactly has happened. Is it more just because there's more people in the city now? The, the other day on my blue line train, we stopped at Western for 15 minutes for no reason. Then we get to Damon, stop again for 15 minutes, and after a while, there's like, sorry, this train's no longer in service. Everyone has to get off, and everyone collectively was like, what the fuck? Yeah. The train. It was like uh, getting to work late, all the shit. And we gotta wait at Damon for another train to come. You, I know, mean, you know, they're always like, "There's another train right behind me." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah they always say another that." Another rush hour train full of people. You think we're all gonna fit on it? Are yeah. you for the whole? Because so England's doing this where they're getting ready. You can't have a diesel car in like three years. You can't have a diesel car. So California's doing it. Yeah, uh, Cali's got a big initiative. Free job for trains or for cars? No. So I'm saying so we can eliminate the amount of people who drive if we just start. Yeah, well, you could put a huge tax on. Well, you could put a tax on gas. We could, okay, I mean, we you could, can make an emission tax. I don't really know exactly how they enforce it, but that's been talked about a lot. They, there's an emission tax in California. I actually know a little bit about this because my new gig, but okay. um, they there's an emission tax in California, and they're ba- basically trying to decarbonize the entire state by like 2040. So it's happening quick. Um, and then there's some challenges that have been happening with the power grid there because essentially they're using probably like 40% of their energy comes from renewables, so solar, wind, hydro, but it can't withstand the amount of demand that some of these bigger cities have, like Los Angeles, San Francisco. So there's typically blackouts that happen a lot more in a state like California as opposed to here. Um, and they're longer blackouts. Like here, maybe, uh, I don't know, like a neighborhood in Chicago, the power will go out for maybe an hour or two. And then ComEd will send you an email, they'll come in, they'll fix it up, whatever. In California, it's like the entire city goes out for like three to four hours on it. So it's, 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 it, they're trying to do that. They're trying to decarbonize the state and make it more sustainable, obviously, and more there's efficient. That, there's that but, problem. But there's this balancing act they're trying to play. So they're basically, they're on this schedule, this um, 
what what's it, it's got basically they're uh slowly over time deactivating these like coal fired and natural gas fired power plants uh that are over there so like they're slowly phasing them out but it's a it's a long process and for a state like illinois yeah. which doesn't get sun as much as california does that's another no. thing yeah. like eastern states we don't see the sun for six months yep so like what happens then like then you're gonna have to build more wind, wind turbines and that takes up a lot of space and that becomes problems yeah, in I feel like wind is just not the solution. No. Because it's yeah. just so much no. goddamn space. They look cool, mm-hmm. though. They, yeah, Those sure. Those look sick as hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they actually do much. But it's like you could use, like, all 50 acres of that land for something yeah. productive. Exactly. It's like another reason we won't have, like, high-speed rail in America. Well, I thought it was all because of lobbying. Well, it's that, but it ties into a lot of stuff we talked about, like the eminent domain, the land use. Yeah. Like, they tried doing it in Texas. And out of all, remember how we mentioned earlier, like the states are like, this is my land, my gun, my, my property. Yes. Think of a state more than Texas where people will not be infringed upon. <laughs> yeah. mean, they were, they were like, hell no. Why does farmer a over here only have like a quarter of his land get taken for this rail line and farmer on me have to have like over 50% of my land. taken? And so this is the same issue too. You're, I don't know if maybe you mentioned earlier in California, they were trying to build uh, either it was like a new highway or a new rail system between in the Central Valley. L- yeah, L.A. going all the way up. Yeah, from San Diego all the way up. They're still, okay, they're still trying to do that. Uh, it's forever. just like yeah, it's gonna because there's the physical and financial like requirements of building a high speed rail line is so high that it might never happen in America because we don't have like we have the land but we've developed it too much that we can't alter it. Like in Europe, I, they build damn. stuff around high speed rail because it needs to be straight. It needs to be grade separated. It needs to be electrified. It needs to be like grade separated, like protected, like above or below. There's no at grade crossings at all. Okay. It needs to be powered. That's you need to have, and you need to be able to access it and maintain it. So, you know, Europe's a smaller place. So if you build a line between Paris and Amsterdam, it's like not that far of a distance. That's like from here to Jeez, I don't even know what's up here to Detroit, maybe. But you're saying doing a repair on a high-speed rail line that's in the middle of Arizona yeah. is very hard. Well, yeah, because you got to you know maintain them every year, and you've got to be like, all right, where the hell is this little problem? So that's why I'm, I'm for like building high-speed rail corridors in short spurts. Yes. Okay. Not, I'm not saying, hey, let's build the line that goes from Boston to Seattle. It's like The no. Elon Musk no. uh, yeah. idea. Yeah. I, can, can I ask you, kind of going off of that Elon Musk thing I just said, what project right now in the U.S. is going? It, do you think is most likely to happen? Out of all the ones we've talked about today, out of all the projects, like for rails, cars, like for rail, yeah, for rails, like the Circle Line in Chicago, the um, high-speed uh, railway, the that one goes, in Cali, the one in yeah, Texas, all any. of them. Like which one right now has already like gotten all the sign-offs it needs and is in process and is ready to roll? That's a tough one. Um, it's not that exciting. There's, I know there's a new Amtrak line that's going to go from like Chicago to like Dubuque, which is like okay. totally not exciting. But it's not it, no, not at it's all. Not exciting. I thought Amtrak was going to shut down. But uh, yeah, that was a bad one. Let's see, that California one is like making more headway than any other high-speed rail project in like the history of this country. Yeah, I've so I, I would say that's the most exciting. So it's going from South to SoCal to like Washington. Pray. No, no, no. Just no. like the Sacramento Bay Area. Okay. Okay. But it connects all the cities. Which yeah. is, Stuff, that'd be huge. Fresno, yeah, yeah. Stockton, all that. We can't really build high-speed rail over here because we don't have, we just like don't have the, the public's idea of what the role rail plays in the United States is not what it was in like the 1800s or the 1920s. You know, we just don't use it. 
It's very true. You know, if you if Amtrak wasn't subsidized by the government, like that company loses money every year. One, there's one line on Amtrak that makes money. The Acela. The yeah, in New York. It's a, it's the only comparable uh, high speed rail we have, and it only goes like 170 miles per hour. Yeah. Or in Europe, I think the average is like 230 at least. And there's so many travelers on that specific line that take it in to go to work, and at the same time, I think that yeah. train connects New York and Philadelphia. It, it's right? uh, it's Boston to DC. Actually. Right. So in all those cities. So that's why when they rank like the the highest train terminals by uh, like uh, what's what's the word traffic like busiest train terminals in the country, Chicago is like at three behind like New York and Philadelphia. But technically, the Philadelphia one's bullshit because that's just in the middle of that same corridor. Yeah, that's kind of you're it, only you're only there. It's like it's stop. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not yeah. doesn't really count. Because yeah. Chicago, everything starts and stops going east and west from here. It's true. All the, right. all the we get, you know, eventually you hit the lake. New York, DC, they come here. Well, and it's like, what's our next closest big city? Detroit, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't call. I don't know if I call it a big. I don't know. It's definitely not. It's a mid, small to mid size. Yeah, not like we are. Um, yeah. I think the population's like just over half I don't a mil. Know off the top of my head. Yep. Five hundred and sixty-nine thousand. Toronto is huge. Toronto is bigger than Chicago. I don't know if you guys knew that. We could we could build. That's what I'm saying. We should build something from there from there here because I've had family drive and it takes nine hours. Yeah. From Toronto to here. Yeah. So ironically, I don't know why I said ironically. Interestingly, one of the only places in America aside from the Acela where trains can exceed like 110 miles per hour is in Southwest Michigan. Like if you okay. take the it's the Amtrak, like the Blue Water, the Wolverine, and the Paramarquette through like uh, Kalamazoo, that whole New Buffalo, that area. Yeah. Those trains, I remember seeing them as like kids. We'd stop in like Three Oaks, Michigan, and like I'd see it the, go by. I'd be like blown away. It's like 120 miles per hour. It, like there's certain speed limits. That's a unique speed limit. No other place in the country, aside from the Acela, I believe, has that. Yeah, and then Japan. Most of them like get capped at like 70 or 80. Yeah. Yeah. Actually? Yeah. The no. bullet train? 550. Miles per hour. Are you doing kilometers per hour? Or probably it's probably kilometers yeah. per hour. Yeah. Well, what's that? Tra- what's that tra- translate Shit, to? Hmm? But what's that translate to? Kilometers per hour. I don't know. I'll look up. Yeah, know, yeah dude, that that is. That's, that's, that's what a plane goes. So, yeah, a plane goes five. <laughs> but if you look at videos of those of those like Fuck. train stations in Japan, when a train passes by, it's like you blink. And a blur. Yeah. yeah. But they also two hundred. But those still though. But, I mean, and like kind of like how you design the right of ways that the train travels on, like. You separate the people in the cars from the train. It allows it to go that fast. You keep it straight. It's another thing. We we have so many existing rail lines that we just like just curve and let shit. Metro yeah. use. You know they use freight existing freight rail lines, but they curve, and they're not like these special like bolted in to the cement rails that can handle the dynamic movement. Of no, like, it's very like they're like big uh, eroding freight train <laughs> type. I think I told you about that project that Eddie. Had, yeah, by um by Forest Glen. Yeah, I yeah. did. A, I did a project where I was like analyzing the noise. And like the uh, weight capacity of using uh, tracks with ballast, which is what the rocks you see underneath the rail ties, or just unballasted or non-ballasted, they call it, where you just bolt it directly into the cement, uh, which you'll usually see in like a subway system or in like a high-speed ra- uh, rail line in Europe. They're really common. Um, like I said, because they can invest a ton of money and they have the land use to just make it straight, electrified, and separate. And that's why it's comparable to flights or uh, competitive to like low-cost carriers in Europe. Yeah. Here oh, it's I'll like the, the plane. People are going to take train or uh, planes all the time here over Amtrak. 
Oh, so we don't yeah, have yeah. anything. I don't there. even think about taking Amtrak, but over there, yeah, I think I think <laughs> like, the train from London to Paris is, is incredible yeah. because you go under the English Channel. They have uh they have high speed rail in Florida right now, but the problem is it just uses it travels at Big great Ron. level. It there travels he is. at great level. So it's going through crossing gates. So if you have some idiot with a truck who gets stuck there, you hit the thing. Oh. Like the, the ideal high speed rail is a completely separated by either above or below or to the side from any contact. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's no bueno. Yeah. It goes from like yeah. Miami to right now Miami to West Palm Beach and are extending it to Orlando. It's called the Bright Line. Oh, yes. It's like I've a big this. yellow and black train. Yeah. Damn, it looks really dope. cool. Yeah. But they need to like Shout out Miami. Yeah. Yeah, uh, baby. Uh, we gotta get out there. Shout out Joel. <laughs> Shut up. Um but yeah, man, it's uh, it's awesome. I think you ready to wrap it up. You have anything else to say, Reese? I think we're good. Awesome. Love to be back if I get more crazy shit to talk. No, about. absolutely. No, dude, I, we, this is great. There's a ton of uh, guests that we want to do like a repeat in like a year, um, and some of those are coming up kind of soon. I have like so much. I had so much like transportation videos I watched before, and, and unknowingly before like we you even came on, like that you knew any can, of this. We can stuff. always record another episode, and you guys can just air it way later. <laughs> that works yeah that works yeah good um but yeah thanks again reese for coming on uh thanks for having me i love to be um pre- great experience yeah my first ever podcast ex- experience there you go well, i'm glad it was a good one i'm yeah. glad it was a good one and hopefully you're on uh many more i think with your career i think you have some opportunity to talk in uh, in, a, in large scale about this stuff yeah man. I mean, yeah. as long as you're not you know you don't have to like uh, what Make sure you're outside of your NDA period. Or, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yep. but yeah. But yep, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 75 of The Shetty Show featuring Reese O'Donnell. Make sure you check him out on Instagram at... Reese underscore island. Cool. R-E-I-S underscore island. Amazing. Make sure you follow us on the TikTok, the IG, at S-H-E-E, at T-H-E-S-H-E-D-D-Y-S-H-O-W. Interact with the pages. Let us know how you feel about the podcast. And let us know who you want to hear next. Shiv, any final thoughts? Yeah, man. 75. I know, dude. 75, dude. Holy shit. Three quarters of the way to hundo. Wow. We got to do something special for hundred. We w- Yeah. It's got to yeah. be either done in like a different place, a big time guy. Ga- something special has got to happen. El Menino, I mean. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I have no odd for that one. For <laughs> Sam. Yeah.